Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hey. And Dave. Hello. Uh, so we're going to finish up Mistborn, uh, but first, we do good thing. Uh, Dave, I think you had one on deck, so why don't you uh, start us off? Oh, yeah. So, uh, as you might have gathered by now, I like retro video game music, and a lot of console video games get all the love, and they are fantastic. But there are some old PC games that have phenomenal soundtracks as well. And today I want to mention Warcraft 2, Tides of Darkness. Uh, so Such classic tracks as Human 4, Human 2. <laughs> and who, who could possibly bring up Warcraft 2 OST without mentioning Orc 2? I mean, the choir, the harpsichord, the piccata, it's phenomenal. But uh, honestly, I feel like Blizzard had a little bit of success with uh, Lost Vikings and Warcraft 1 and they were like alright guys let's do this let's let's put it all in let's go all in and make the best game we possibly can and it really shows even in just the soundtrack there's a lot of detail and uh, production quality that went into it really good. There's detail all over the place like a quick uh, mention to just the sound work on that game the, the I love the voices oh yeah like just just the comedy and the um uh, just the, the detail that they put into that game. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of modern RTSs, a lot of things you take for granted were new in Warcraft 2. Like, dragging your mouse to select multiple units, that started in Warcraft 2. Right-clicking to move Did your units really so you don't have to have your fingers sprawled over the M and A keys. Warcraft 2, that's where it started. Are, are you sure that's where it started? As far as Blizzard games go. Yeah, because I think Command and Conquer might have done the the dragon select first. Well, in Warcraft One, you had to hold control. Yeah, select. <laughs> oh man! But anyway, yeah. So really I feel great like Starcraft game. needs some props for being Warcraft in space. Yeah, and Warcraft. It was the first. Uh, pro- I don't know about you know like other concurrent games, but it's. I think one of the first real-time strategy games where the races or different playable you know dudes i don't know they're races in starcraft and in warcraft but they're like nations and games like uh age of vampires but it's the first one where there's a real distinction among the three different groups you can play as that i all right craig you're up okay the good thing is mistborn because it's so good oh man i can't wait to read it (laughs) no seriously um, there's a newish board game I recently got called, uh, Nyctophobia, which is Fear of the Dark. I don't think I mentioned it before. Did I mention it before? No. Well, whatever. If I did, it's a repeat. Um, but I, I just played it again so last night because it's Halloween season as of this recording. Very appropriate. Essentially, one player is the Jason slash Axe Murderer. And everyone else is trying to, you know, get away and find the car to get escape in the woods. The thing is, everyone else is blindfolded but the killer. They cannot see the board at all. And they have to use their touch on the board to determine what's around them uh, and where where they can go from there. So completely touch base, remove the visual senses. It's it's nice. It's. It sort of has that. It has that stress. I, 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 I don't want to say stress, version. but 
but the ang- <laughs> <laughs> the anxiety of like trying to get away you don't know where the killer is it's like you know he's somewhere over on this side of the board but you don't know like because he moves and you don't know if he moved and it's it's all like like oh my gosh what am i gonna do and then meanwhile the killer should be messing with the players you know because that's the part of the fun uh, you know, just, just haunting them and and making them think like they don't have a chance. You know, it's or wait, do they is do they know who which player is? Yeah. The killer? Oh, okay, yeah. so it's not social deduction at all. No, no, it's <laughs> and and that's all the better because that way the player who is the killer can really like role play it up. Nice. So I'm gonna be playing again on Halloween with my gaming buddies. So you have to wear um, actual real physical blindfolds. Yes, you so wear you, like, blackout real glasses. Life, real life actually have knockphobia. It might not be the game for you. No, I mean it's it's just glasses, so you can see around the edges. Uh, just you're not supposed to look at the board, but it's not. I I think you're okay. Uh, what yeah, if I we, we, we got to try some time. Got to try. All right. So my good thing this week is the first book of a trilogy. Only the first book because I haven't read the it's other boring. two yet. No, not Mistborn. Calm down. <laughs> Clearly it's Mistborn. Uh, no, the, the book is The Three-Body Problem by, I'm sure I'm going to butcher the name, Zixin Liu, uh, who is a Chinese sci-fi author. Uh, the book was translated into English some time ago. Um, it's really, really, really freaking good. Holy crap. I don't want to spoil anything. Um, this book hit my radar because it was read and recommended by former President Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, holy yeah. crap, it's amazing. Super duper good. Highly recommended. Check it out. Uh, so, let's go. Let's do it. Alright, Mistborn, this is the rest of the chapter. Alright, we're starting with chapter 35 this week. And I'll go ahead and read down my bullet points since that's what Mike wakes up every day looking forward to. It got me out of bed today. (laughs) (laughs) Mopey Vin, Tripod, Bentcoin, Vision Dude, is Condreno Kelsier? Kelsier (laughs) had to die. Weapon Warehouse. Yes. Kelsier's party. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. It's just yes? Yes. It's in reference to the prior question, is Condreno Kelsier? Yeah. Uh, where was I? Yes. Kelsier's parting instructions. It was a fun job, wasn't it? Clubs' scar. Finn's letter, Bible thump. Stupid book made me cry at work. Kelsier is no longer murderous psychopath. What's Vin doing with those arrowheads? Invasion of magic chamber! Okay, so we start off chapter 35 <laughs> with, uh, been sulking uh, above the rooftop, suspending herself using alumancy over uh, three coins, keeping herself in the middle of the air, which I understand how you stay up there, but how do you get up? Did she maybe push the la- push off the ladder and get herself into position that way? The ladder is said to have been made of steel, I think. Or like, do you put one off? Like slightly to the side and go up and I don't know. Oh, I, it... I got one. I got this. So okay. imagine you have a really long pole, right? A nice sturdy pole, multiple, not just one. You need multiple, nice and then you want to get up into okay. the air. You just push down, and then you put like you have to sort of like do this whole dual pushing 
of like you said it was a tripod right so there's three of them so it's like you push on three of them at the same time and you lift yourself up it's easy no because when you're (laughs) on the ground if you start elevated yes you can push down on the coins keep yourself centered in the three coins if you start on the ground and you push the three coins they'll all just fly off to the side no you just jump up a little they don't have to be that far apart they could be uh, close together. You jump I up guess in the they air. Be kind of close. Yeah. As established, uh, when Kelsier is first taking Vin for her first round of Mistborn training, um, your body's balance works with um, Alamancy. You can stay at the very end of a steel push with one anchor point and be just fine. You're kind of stuck there, but. You're not going to fall over because of it. I do remember him saying, oh, it's much easier with three anchor points or something. I mean, I know this tripod method has been mentioned before. It's just, I was curious, how do you get up there? You start with a little pewter-enhanced 10-foot-tall jump, and and then you push. All right. So there you go. Pewter-enhanced 10-foot jump. That's, that makes yep, sense. Yep. Clearly. <laughs> I think pewter also it improves your balance, uh, right? Because you as well as strength, right? Pewter increases all of your physical abilities. Um, so balance Dex is included in that, con. yes. Okay, right. Got it. Okay. Is Kondra no Kelsier? Oh, no, wait, I missed one. Vision, dude. Uh, oh, I missed another one. Bent coin. So, uh, <laughs> Finn still has this coin that she just smushed coin that got messed up because she and Kelsier were in a pushing match. So I thought that was cute. She still has her little memento of Kelsier, even though he abandoned her. Uh, Vision dude. So there's this guy going out, collecting all of the ska, talking, you know, basically going through all of the streets of Luthadel and talking about how Kelsier came to visit him in a vision. And I thought to myself, I bet you it was the Chondra. And I wrote that in Discord, mm-hmm. and I think I might have even mentioned it on the episode last week that it was a possibility. I totally called it like a page before it was actually revealed. Uh, so they go, and they're like, they're going around, and uh, Vin's like, where did Kelsier keep those weapons? And I think Doxin knows, or Doxin or Ham's like, oh, they're over here. So they go to this weapon warehouse. And there's a figure in the shadows, and they recognize the voice of one Lord Renault, whom they presumed was mortally injured. But here he is in the shadows, and he steps out into the light. And lo and behold, it's Kelsier with goofy eyes. And <laughs> uh, Vin's like, what the heck? Who are you really? And he takes his mask off, and it's old man Jenkins. Um <laughs> But uh, anyway, so she's like, what What kind of creature are you? And he goes all translucent and it's like, oh, I was absorbed. I ate your buddy. <laughs> and there you go. So he's a he's a chondra. It's a more mature mistborn or something like that. They're not exactly sure, but it's how they Mist wraith. Mistborn yes, are I'm different sorry. things. <laughs> no, I don't like them being called mistborn. Makes They're it more like interesting. the ones that are actually born of the mist. Wait, is that, is that a Rafa? Uh, anyway, um, so Conjure, so anyway, he explains that uh, Kelsier had to die, but unlike Jesus, he didn't tell anybody about it. He kept it a secret and surprised everybody with it. 
Um, although, uh, no one believed Jesus when he told all his disciples that he was going to die anyway. So kind of maybe same effect. Uh, so they're at the weapon warehouse. And yes, uh, Condrino is Kelsier. And I have some questions about uh, Miss Wraiths. And I'll just bring them up here. Maybe we can discuss them a little in a recap. But uh, they did reiterate here that the Miss Wraith can only Kirby someone if that person is dead. And that was something that I had had remembered. Uh, but you guys refused to confirm it for me anyway. Thanks a lot. But it was reiterated here. Hey, hey, just you're welcome. <laughs> and uh, I, so I was wondering if the Conjure can actually Kirby people for metal powers. And I, my guess would be probably not because they just absorb their bones and take their forms. But who knows? And also, does the Conjure have to be dying to reform a la Doctor Who? Uh, you're gonna get a Rafo on the both of those. Yeah, gotcha. but there's just there's uh wanted to let you guys know what I've been thinking about and what kind of questions and theories I have coming up. Gotcha. All right, so they have uh, Kelsey's parting instructions, and one thing that kind of probably bothered me more than it should have was that in Kelsey's letter he mentions that Renault. It was supposed to gather the crew and bring them here, but they just kind of went there on their own. So, like, did Renault know they were coming? Did he go out? Like, why didn't he go out to get them? And then they showed up without him. He was there waiting for them. I don't know. It's, it just seemed kind of odd to me. But like I said, probably nothing to get too hung up on. I mean, I will point out that plans can change. I mean, he was planning on dying, and he's just sort of setting the the pieces in place, right? So, well, the the way the letter was written, it seemed like he it it was written like the day before he died, like he knew that he was that sure. the next day was going to be it. I was just like, I don't know. He's like, well, now that Renault has gathered all of you, like, no, they came on their own. Like, I don't know. Well, maybe Renault hadn't quite gotten that far yet. Yeah, I guess it could have just been coincidence that they showed up like right before he was about to go out to get them. I don't know. It seemed odd, but not not really anything to dwell on. But okay. And Kelsier's letter explains how, you know, he had to die. This was part of his plan to uh rally the uh the ska and that he was gonna have Renault eat his bones and go and be like uh like make it seem like uh, Kelsier had revived and go and uh, instill hope into people, which is already happening as they're reading the letter. And uh, we go get some instructions on where other weapon warehouses are and who's to distribute what and what the plan is going forward. And part of the plans include clubs handing out weapons, and everyone's like, clubs? What's What's he do? He doesn't do anything. He's a jerk. And, you know, Clubs is like, where do you think I got this scar? And it was just like, it was just another great example of how Brandon knows more than he's writing. Like, there isn't room for all the details, but he he knows, like, this is what Clubs did in the past. This is Clubs' character. This is why he is the way he is. This is These are his skills. But, you know, they're not essential to the plot, so we don't always get them. But uh, it's awesome that... Uh, Clubs is the hero of his own story. Yeah, it it helps the character stay internally consistent when when the author has sort of that knowledge that he doesn't necessarily need to share with anyone. Like if you know 
you know, what's going through Breeze's head at any given moment, then whatever he happens to be doing at the time is going to be consistent, even if, you know, the audience never actually gets that internal monologue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Vin's letter, Bible Thump. So Kelsier wrote a an additional letter just for Vin, explaining that he couldn't figure out how to use the 11th medal or how it would the Lord Ruler. And it was really touching. And I had, and I was at work and I had to like run to the bathroom and hide my tears because I was at work. Good book. Uh, okay. And Kelsier also explains how like maybe he started to think maybe there was hope for the noble people. So he's no longer the murderous psychopath. And then Vin's like, I know what to do. Goes and breaks off some arrowheads and breaks off some rings from some metal rings from chainmail and uh, grabs some pewter dust. And we're like, what's going on? What's she going to do? And then she's like, I'm going to invade the invasion magic chamber. Like Kelsier tried to do twice and almost died every time. So that's where we're going for chapter 36. Uh, so, any questions about chapter 35? Did I miss any important details? <laughs> no, I think you got it. Okay. Alright. Chapter 36. The sun is red, but fire is yellow? Lolvin. One-way arrow <laughs> ring projectiles? Pogchamp. Pewter dust smoke screen? Pogchamp. <laughs> then of the old ruler. Finn gets attention, and Daddy has to have a meeting with the principal. Uh, okay, so the first part of chapter 36, broken up into a few different parts. Uh, so the first part, she starts invading the inner sanctum, and, you know, there's all this fire everywhere because the, the peasants are revolting. <laughs> was, that a, was, that, was that from Mighty Python or something? Peasants are revolting? Maybe. I feel like that's something Mike would know, so maybe not. Um, anyway, the peasants are revolting. And, uh, you know, they've got all these torches, light and fire everywhere. And the fire is yellow, but the sun is red. And as last time I checked, the sun was made out of fire. So unless there's <laughs> some kind of, like, there's some kind of layer in the atmosphere that changes the way the sun looks when it gets to the planet. I don't know. Sort of. So there is but... a reason for it. Think about the, it's not, it's not the world. If you remember, doesn't look anything like ours. There's no, it's not like uh, so there's there could green be some kind of like color filter that, in general, that just the, the yeah. way colors look. But it's, then, uh, but then, why is fire yellow? Well, uh, okay. Well, so for for the atmosphere and the way the sun looks, I mean, it could just be a completely different sun as well. I'm not sure if they ever describe exactly. Right. I guess what it's the true. Sun if it's like. a different temperature, it could burn at a different. Because the sun, light. the suns look different. Like if you if you look up like. Uh, blue uh, super giants and things like that. Like they can burn a different color, um, but it's also I very. Guess, yeah, misty. I guess it depends on the chemical makeup and the temperature. Uh, the atmosphere is different. Um, I was I'm curious. not sure about why the fire is described as yellow, but again, that could just be because it's just misty everywhere. I mean, it's just think about it being a constant state of fog on this world because that's mm. essentially what it is at night. Or maybe in the daytime as well, but you don't notice it because there's more light. I don't know. A little better, but if you if you ever like have seen a very misty day, like I know there was one time I was driving around, I'm like, this is like Mistborn because it's <laughs> it's just the way it is. 
What the? That's why the they call flat, it. Hashtag flat scadrial theory. <laughs> if gravity is down, then why is fire yellow? Uh, I can't read your chat. No, I just read it for you, though. All right. Okie So, Lolfin, she just kind of walks up to the guards, and she's like, you guys don't want to work for Lord Ruler. You want to join the revolution. And they all join the revolution. She walks past them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then she gets to another set of guards, and she, like, steel pushes her way real fast down a hallway to avoid them. And then she comes up to close to the inner sanctum, like the building within the building, uh, like in the courtyard of that area. And, oh, Steel Inquisitors were waiting for her. Who expected that? Well, Vin did, and she was ready for them. So I really love this uh, tactic that she has. She's got the the arrowhead, and the arrowheads are made of stone, and the shafts are made of wood. Breaks them off, so there's just like a couple inches of the arrow shaft. And she puts a metal ring on the back of it so that she can steel push the metal rings and push the arrows forward. But when the steel inquisitors push back on the ring, only the rings fall off and the arrowheads still have their momentum and start bombarding everybody with arrowheads, which is really cool. And she also sort of theorized that uh, the steel inquisitors see with earth bending. So she puts, I mean, see with, uh, Mistillation, allomancy, I think they call it. <laughs> Mistillation. <laughs> um, anyway, so they see with allomancy. So she throws uh, a bunch of uh, metal dust in into the air to to make a smoke screen, and they can't see through it. And she's able to brute force and her way through the steel inquisitors and get into the den of the old ruler and she sees this old dude sitting on a chair like in front of a fireplace bearskin rug on the hearth and game trophy sitting around just like some old dude lounging about and you know she's like she grabs the uh she's just kind of like talks to him a little bit and then uh the steel inquisitors come back in and they grab her and she's like wait i gotta burn the 11th medal it's time to do that and she burns the 11th medal, and over where the old dude is sitting, she also sees a young uh, a young mountain herdsman. And she's like, what's up with that? But then uh, <laughs> she doesn't really have time to dwell on it yet because the Steel Inquisitors are taking her away. And she's like, you're about to get your daddy in trouble. That's why we've been looking for you. And that's the end of that scene. Okay, next scene. Ellen Venture stars in The Rebellion Part 2. Time to leave. Daddy Venture leaves Ellie Boy to take the fall for ATM mine collapse, and he G's TFO. Ellen plans to turn himself in. So we cut to a scene with Ellen Venture and his dad, and his dad's like, Yo, son, get on the boat. We're getting out of here. And Ellen's like, No, finally stands up to his father. No, I'm staying. I'm going to help the revolution. And Daddy Venture's like, Finally, I get rid of this kid. So he leaves without him. He's just like, shoop, he's out of there. And, uh, you know, Ellen figures out, oh, crap, I'm going to have to answer to the ATM mine collapse to the Lord Ruler. Well, I'm going to go and turn myself in, whatever that means. We'll find out later. Okay, and the rest, chapter 36. Vin wakes up in a jail cell and is forced to burn Oopsium. 11th metal is external gold? Where is Earring? 
Finn outs Daddy. Ministry will be turned over to Inquisitors. Carr wants to steal Inquisit Vin before killing her. Shut up, Mike. Inquire is a, as an intransitive verb and thus doesn't work here. Because you were going to call me out on saying Inquisit instead of Inquire. You, you got don't me. don't like to sum up preemptively. <laughs> yeah, because others you, you sure Inquisit, got me for spotting see, that in- potential grammar mistake that Inquire is an intransitive verb, so you can't say you can't say I inquire Craig or I inquire Mike. You say I inquire of Craig or inquire of. So Carr doesn't steal inquire, Vin. That doesn't make any sense. He's still inquisit, Vin. Okay, so Nobody Vin wakes up in a jail cell. Steal inquisition. <laughs> Vin shows up in a jail cell, still inquisitor. Uh, crimps metal in her mouth, and he's like, "Here, burn this." And she's like, it might kill me, but if they wanted to kill me, they would have just killed me. So whatever, I'll burn it. And it turns out it was oopsium, which, as we all know, is the 13th metal. And what happens when you burn oopsium is, oops, all of your metals are gone. Wait, so how did we skip the 12th metal? The 12th metal is gold. Okay. No, it isn't. We're getting to that. So okay. the ni- So Nope. We need it's we need to pause right now. I need you to list all the metals because you're jumping around. No, there's no tenth metal. The ninth. So you have the eight basic metals. The ninth metal is atium. Gold was thought to be the tenth metal, but uh, Vin re-theorizes and says, "Well, gold is not gold and atium. They're they're not alloys of one another or related in any way. So their effects are similar, but they're not." They're like in the same category, but they're they're not a pair. So atium is paired with some tenth metal that we don't know yet, and the eleventh metal and gold are a pair. So the thirteenth metal is oops. <laughs> All right, that tracks. Continue. Dave logic. <laughs> so we don't. So the the question is: what's Wait, wait, the wait, wait, metal? wait, wait. We need an updated chart with the of this in the future <laughs> from you. You need another uh, wheel? Yeah, I need like another wheel in the future. Three-dimensional chart now. I have to figure out where to fit in metals 9 through 12. Uh, but, uh, yeah, for those of you that don't know, I you opened up MS Paint and drew a circle and did a little allomancy wheel where it showed the pairs, the internal versus external, mental versus physical, push versus pull. And I posted it in our Discord that nobody's allowed to see. So yeah. if Mike has a place to upload... Uh, supplementary documents, go ahead and do that. We can post it on Twitter, maybe. Oh, uh, yeah, Mike can post it on Twitter. I'll see what I can do okay. about that. That's complicated. Uploading it. Okay. Um, so, Vin starts thinking about what is this 11th medal? What could it mean? What, what did I see when I burned it in the inner sanctum there? And she says, well, it, it's, it sort of reminded me of when I burned gold. And but the difference is it's not it's the difference is that it's an external metal. Wait, that would make it yeah, it wouldn't be a pair then. But she she herself says that maybe the 11th metal and she you know, she doesn't know any better, but she says that maybe the 11th metal is some alloy of gold. Which by the way, I can't think of in real life. I can't think of a uh I guess they do make gold alloys for jewelry and stuff. They don't always make stuff out of pure gold, but usually it's like gold plated stuff, I thought. Not an actual alloy where they melt them together. I don't know. Like, I'm I can not. tell you the alloys, but I don't think I should. I just mean, like, in real life, 
You know, I will what? say if you played mods of Minecraft, Minecraft. then you would know. Yes. <laughs> yes. I played better than Wolf. Okay. Well, that just had like steel in it. Um, okay. And that's the other thing while we're on the metal pairings. As far as I know, iron uh, steel is not an alloy of iron, but it's purified iron. So that's kind of different. So maybe like maybe the 11th metal is just impure gold. I don't know. Rafo. But I'm so close to figuring out the secret. Rafo. Uh, okay, I mean, he so can they figure it out. We just won't confirm. Rafo. <laughs> okay, so uh, they say they took all of Vin's metal and clothes away. She's got her underwear on again, and I'm thinking to myself, where's her earring? Is she gonna some they some guy somehow identify her dad through the earring, or she's gonna make some daring escape with the earring? And it bothers me. We do find later on when she. Spoiler alert for five minutes from now, when she goes and gets her stuff back, they're like, ah, there's the earring. It bothers me that that there's no mention of it here, because it seems like important sometimes. And I mean, obviously, Rafa, whether or not it's actually important in the trilogy, but it didn't seem so in this book so far, other than just being a memento of her mother and her past. But uh, it bothers me that, like, sometimes it's important to mention it and sometimes it's not and here i would think like she'd be like no where's my earring or that it would at least there would at least be a sentence that said even her earring was gone or something like that um but it's not mentioned here it comes we do find out that they had taken it later on uh so anyway she goes to this uh trial between the Obligators and the Steel Inquisitors. And remember that the Ministry officially is run by the Obligators, who are, you know, less powerful than the Steel Inquisitors. So the Steel Inquisitors think that they deserve to be in control of the Ministry. And the Lord Ruler's like, ah, oh, not, not this again. You guys have been fighting over this for 500 years. And they're like, ah, oh, but now we have proof that the Obligators are corrupt. And... They bring in Vin, and they bring in the head obliga dude and obligai. Uh, they bring in the head obligai, <laughs> and she's like, "Who's your dad?" And she tries to resist, but uh, the Lord Ruler gets all up in her grill and alimants her, and she's like, "That's him over there." She outs her daddy, and then the Lord Ruler officially transfers control of the ministry over to the Steel Inquisitor. And Lord Ruler's like, alright, now go ahead and kill her. And Carr, he's the leader of the Steel Inquisitors here, he says, no, I need to Steel Inquisit her because she knows about this rebellion that's going on. And that's the end of chapter 36. Did I miss anything? Nope. Did I miss say I anything? I think so. Well, you said obligadude. <laughs> I'm an obligadude. <laughs> We got more than we bargained for. All right, keep going. Okay. <laughs> All right, so chapter 37, Dachshund chapter. Uh, we get yet another character to focus on. Uh, of course, most of the book. The book is, is, in all parts of the book, Brandon Sanderson writes in third person limited. It's in third person, but it's always from the perspective of one of the characters. Most of the time, it was either Kelsier or Vin. A couple times we've had Ellen, but now we get a new guy to uh, 
from the perspective of it, and that's Doxin. And I thought that was pretty cool. We got to hear stuff from Doxin's perspective, and we get to see a little bit into his mind about how he is coping with the loss of Kelsier and how he has to organize everything and be the, uh, as uh, Renault put it, the um, the bureaucrat. So he's he's the bureaucrat, Breeze is the politician, and Ham is the military, and Vin is the assassin. She she infers that uh, I forgot to write. That. Okay, so Doxin chapter. Gorodel leaves. Ham walks in. Ellen turns himself in. Ellen recognizes Ham and asks about Valette. So uh, Gorodel, I think was. He was the guard that just defected from the Lord Ruler's palace, right? That from Credit Shaw that uh, Ben was like, go and join the revolution. And he's like, okay. So he brings Doxin information and he decides to trust him because it's kind of the the uh, most likely scenario for victory is to trust this guy. Doxin's like calculating and figuring all this stuff out. And then Han comes in and... He comes in with, uh, he comes in to think, and I guess Gorodel is the one that also tells him that Vin had, uh, stormed Credit Shaw. And then Ham comes in and Ellen comes in and Ellen turns, turns himself in. And he's like, I'm a noble. All my dudes are holed up in this place. Don't kill us, please. And you need the allies. And then Ellen, uh, recognizes Ham from, the, I guess the the same day from like earlier this morning, that uh, when Kelsier was fighting the Seal Inquisitor and Ham was opening the cages and Elland was there, and he's like, "You're that guy. Where's Lady Follette?" So you know they tell him like, "Well, she's uh, probably dead. She went by herself to fight Credit Shaw. She went, she's probably in some dungeon in Black Rock Spire." Okay, so now we have. Other part, uh, back to our Lady Valette, back to Vin. So we have Carr, the Steel Inquisitor. Carr mentions Vreen. Sazed captured. Naked jacked Sazed. Vin goes back for Sazed. Ellen goes back for Valette. Vin goes back for Ellen. Everyone learns about the magic of friendship. <laughs> There's the earring. <laughs> Kissy scene? Vin stars in the eleventh medal, part eleven. More news at eleven. Is this a kissing book? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was. I was thinking of the best Christmas movie of all time. Actually, <laughs> that was a conversation we've had on this show before, right, right Mike? About yeah, the Princess Bride being the okay. Yeah, that's that's been on here. Uh, so, Carr, the Seal Inquisitor, talks about Reen, and, and I'm gonna. Pull up here. I opened right to page 628 in my copy. And I thought it was an interesting choice of words that, uh, I don't need to read a direct quote, but Carr says that he was interrogating Reen to try to find out where Vin was. And which is interesting. Now that I think about it, why wouldn't they just turn in Reen instead? Because they're looking for the obligator's son. Or like the obligator's offspring to show that he had uh, reproduced with a ska woman. But on the other hand, maybe they needed Vin because she was a misborn. So um, they needed Reen is not a full blood relative. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, Reen was not Tavidian's son. 
Green was not Davidian's son. Okay. So he talks about how he, so he met, he uses the word snapped like, ah, the boy's mind snapped before I could get information out of him. So I wonder if that was intentional use of the word snap because Reen had become a mistborn and then they had to dispose of him or if it was just a coincidence that he used the same word. I don't know. But uh, anyways, they used the word snap. So we learned that uh, Reen had actually not abandoned Vin as she had thought all these years, but that he was captured and that he died preserving her secret or is presumed dead, but he actually did snap and become a misborn and escape. I don't know. Probably not. Maybe. Rafo. All right. Now, Sazed is captured. And Wait, did uh, you just Rafo yourself? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, well, I won't spoil it <laughs> okay. for another five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me in 10 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's a certain other character that we that asked me. Uh, but anyway, Sazed captured and she's like, and then all the dudes go because uh, the Lord Ruler's having the ceremony, like apparently immediately, like, like the same night of the trial, um, that he will officially transfer control of the ministry over to. The Steel Inquisitors, so all the uh, all the Steel Inquisitors and stuff and junk, they gotta go. So the uh, prison is virtually unguarded. There might be some uh, non non uh, alimenting guards, but anyway, Sazed's there and he's naked. He took all his clothes and they did jewelry because they don't want him to Farukamize. I guess they know about that, and they probably do. Uh, but anyways. So he's like, oh, I learned a trick from you. I ate my metal and it had power in it. So we have all of his uh, power stored up in the metals that he has in his digestive system. And he uses them all up and becomes this giant, muscular, naked dude that busts out of prison and saves what's her face? Uh, Vin, I think her name is. And so. They bust out, and then they're escaping, and Sazed, uh, his power runs out, and he gets left behind, and Vin goes back to save him, and then Ellen shows up. He, he had come back to save her, and then Vin had to go back and save Ellen, and everyone learns about the magic of friendship, because you don't leave your buddies behind. I would like to point out that this chapter contains a really wonderful pun or play on words uh, where Sazed takes a moment to gather his strength. Hmm. Oh. That's good. Okay, so they uh, learn about friendship, and then Vin finds all of her stuff, finds some alimantic metals that she can use, and there's the earring. It was they had taken it from her. We didn't really mention it before, guys, but they had taken it. And then uh this was kinda weird. I didn't really know how to interpret uh it was page thirty four for me. I didn't really know how to interpret this here. Uh Vin reached over, grabbing Ellen's head and pulling him down to kiss her. Ellen, your family delivered the A-Team to the Lord Ruler. Do you know where he keeps it? 
like, what did he? Did she pull him down to kiss him, or to ask him that question? Uh, both at the same time, she's talking directly she's into talking his mouth while kissing. But she pulls his head down. Oh, I mean, to, for him to kiss her, and maybe they're just like there awkwardly for a second, and he doesn't make his move, even though she's like totally asking for it. I don't know. She's like pulls his head down to kiss him. It says she pulls his head down to kiss her, but then it doesn't say that they actually kiss. Are we to assume? I don't know. <laughs> Let, let's assume a kiss happened, and then while she's still got his head down there, hey, ATM, make with it. I just thought it was kind of funny. Like It seemed like she faked him out. <laughs> uh, Okay. And then Vin's like, I think I know what to do with this 11th medal. Got it, guys. GG. Let's, I'm going to go kill the Lord Ruler. And after everybody goes back to save her, they let her go to face down the Lord Ruler in the final chapter, chapter 38. So uh, how was chapter 37 for everybody? Good. It was nice. definitely within the top 37 Mistborn chapters that you have <laughs> reviewed. <laughs> All right. Chapter 38. Vindication. The oh, end. gosh. Uh, so, uh, there you go. That's my bullet point for chapter 30. Vindication. All right. So, Carr, the leader of the Inquisitors, is the focal point of the beginning of chapter 38, which is the first time we get to see the story written from the perspective of a villain, which is really awesome to see. And we get a little bit of insight on how what it's like to be a Steel Inquisitor, how you can't see normally, how you're always in pain. You got spikes poking in you all the time. So, you know, Vin shows up and Vin's like, I got this. I know what to do with the 11th medal. She gets in there, burns the 11th medal before anybody can see what's going on. She sees the duplicate of the Lord Ruler, the younger herdsman version of the Lord Ruler, and she stabs the uh, nothing, stabs the middle of the air because there isn't anybody really there. It's just an illusion. And, well, there goes that idea. <laughs> and now she gets captured, and uh, Carr has such a, a good idea while it lasted, too. It was a good idea. I mean, we were all thinking it. Yeah. Um, so Carr shows up. Or Carr, Carr grabs her, and he's just about to do her in. And then this other Steel Inquisitor comes up, and he unplugs Carr, and Carr just falls over limp and dead. And Vin looks over and sees out in the hallway a bunch of other Steel Inquisitors just collapsed over dead, and their plugs are all taken out. And she's like, what in the world's going on? And she recognizes the new Steel Inquisitor that just entered the room, and it is none other than Marsh, Kelsier's brother, whom we had presumed was dead. But if you go back, as I did, and read the chapter where we found the corpse in the soothing station, the head was crushed, and the body was lacerated beyond human recognition. So it could have been pretty much anybody. But Brandon Sanderson just wants us to think that Marsh is dead so that he can pull these shenanigans. Yep, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Why it happened. There certainly you know? isn't more going on there. Absolutely We'll get not. to that in the epilogue. There is a bit about that in the epilogue. Um Okay, so now they're both up against him, and but the Lord Ruler is kind of, like, alert to their presence. He pushes all the metal out of the room, and he, like, thrashes everyone around. And he's like, oh, this guy, betrayed by my own guy. 
and in tries has a little bit of 11th metal left and she burns the 11th metal and she sees the, that young herdsman again and she says wait a second that's not the guy that wrote the log book that guy wasn't a herdsman and she says out to the lord ruler Rayshak, that's your name isn't it and that was the secret to the 11th medal that she could see who this guy was in the past that he was really Rayshak. and what she concludes from this information is that the Lord Ruler, while an Alamancer, is also a Farukamet. And she notices these uh, these metal bracers up on his arm. And she says, uh, you know, if I can get these metal bracers off, he'll lose all of his strength and his youth that he has stored up in them. And, you know, the Lord Ruler has them piercing his skin so that they can't be steel pushed or iron pulled away from him and Vin's like well if the lord ruler can break alamancy rules and bust through copper clouds then so can I and she flares all of her medals and ATM probably and everything else and she gets the bracers off of him and lord ruler becomes an old dude and he gets older and older and she steel pushes the Bracer out of the room. Forgot to mention it. Like they, bro- she broke the window when she got there. So like it's out the window, and they're in like this. Oh man, this whole like um, this whole room is just like a circular glass window that they can see out into the mists and the fires of the revolution. It's really cool. I can't wait to see the movie version of it. It's a stained glass window, uh, which get- is done. As like a single solid piece of glass all the way around, uh, yeah. with the like waves and distortions and whatnot of of the imperfect glass blowing that they that they used to simulate the miss. It looks it the the description is freaking cool. The picture in my head is incredible. And yes, whenever whenever a TV show or movie of this inevitably happens, and I'm convinced that it will, I just don't know when. No. Hopefully before I die. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping more for, like, TV show than movie, though, because there's a lot of material. Well, my my dream concept would be, like I've said before, of, like, a um, an anthology series where, like, each season is one book and they keep most of the same cast and just sort of recast them in different roles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Dave, keep going. Uh, so Lord Ruler gets older and older and jumps out the window after his, uh, strength storing bracers and he falls to his death, but he was probably just going to die from being too old anyway. Cause he didn't have it. <laughs> uh, okay. I think, uh, that's pretty much the end. Go on to the epilogue. And, um, you know, Marsh explains that, uh, steel inquisitors can only be killed if you, they have, seven spikes we got one in each eye four in the chest and one in the back holding them all together and the way you kill a steel inquisitor is you have to separate the the uh head spikes from the back spike which kelsier had done by beheading the one steel inquisitor or as marsh showed us you can just unplug them there you go that's how you kill a steel inquisitor you unplug them yep and then on to the epilogue uh so you know, we get in, you know this conversation. Everyone's like, "All right, we're building, rebuilding a new nation. We have uh, 
Ellen's just gonna take over as the king and Sorry, real yeah. quick. I'm actually yeah. on the the epilogue. Eleven spikes. Eleven, okay. Uh two in the head, eight one in the chest, one battle. in the back to seal them together. Okay. So Ellen is the new king because he's legitimate and he's got noble blood and everyone forgot about his dad and his dad ran away and he probably doesn't probably never came back and I don't know. I made that part up. And then they're like, so, Marsh, we thought you were dead. Who is that corpse that we saw when we were supposed to meet you? And he says, I'd rather not talk about it. Everybody laughs, and there's a circle fade focused on Marsh. And then right before it closes out, stays circle over Marsh, the rest of the screen black. And he says, oh, by the way, I betrayed Kelsier. Wink, and it finishes fading out. He didn't really say that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, don't I don't remember that part happening. <laughs> I just uh, I just want to hold on to my theory, um, okay. and mostly because just it's not really explained exactly how Kelsey was betrayed. There's some unanswered questions, but then you know I guess life is just full of unanswered questions, so it's all right. It's realistic that way. Uh, okay, and then in the final scene, or before that, I guess they they talk more about like how the Lord Ruler came to be, how and this was part of the end of chapter 8 and part of the epilogue I'm getting them mixed up but uh, the Lord Ruler actually turned out to be the the herdsman that was uh, guiding the uh, we'll say the log the logger the logbook author he was guiding the logger to the wall of ascension and he was jealous because he wasn't of his race and it was supposed to be the terraceman that saved the world so he killed the logger and went into the wall of ascension in his place and basically brought the power of Alamancy into the world by doing that. And so he he wanted to be the only guy that could use Farukami and Alamancy, so that's why he had all the terracemen killed when he could, so that they wouldn't interbreed with the uh Mistborns, which I guess are his descendants. I don't really I don't think it explicitly says that all the Mistborns are descended from Rayshek, but I imagine that must be the case. Uh, it would explain a lot. So anyway, we go into the last scene, and uh, Vin is hanging out on a rooftop where Ellen is hanging out, and she, you know feels guilty about having deceived him, and she, you know, she's low on herself and doesn't feel like she deserves to be happy or to have anyone special in her life. Then she's like, you know what? And busts through the rooftop, jumps down to the room, and says. Ellen, you're a nerd. And then they hug, and everyone's happy. And scene, and book, and epilogue, and the lesson is, all Vin really needed was a good hug. Okay, so, uh, before I had ever read this book, it was pitched to me by the internet as, what if, at the end of Lord of the Rings, Sam had killed Frodo and kept the ring? Okay, that explains, like, the events that precede the book. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. Did you understand mechanically what was happening with the Lord Ruler there at the end? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he had stored up youth and strength in his uh, bracers, and Vin is more powerful than the average Mistborn, and she's able to break the rules, so to speak. We see that... Actually, in this scene as well, the Lord Ruler is able to steel push the metals inside Vin's stomach, and she 
she's like, well, if he can do it, I can try. And then she uh, gets the bracers off of him. I mean, I will point out specifically that it's health that's being stored. No, it's youth. I'm pretty sure it's health. Youth, they use my the dude. word youth. They, they specify that youth can be stored with Farukami. And we've gone over this in spoiler chat a few times. <laughs> There's also health, but youth. Health, health doesn't that, keep you I, alive for a thousand years. Health no, doesn't stop you from aging. I don't want to get into it because of Dave. Um, mm-hmm. I, I need to know specifically what metal it is. Or, you know, I'm just going to look up the Lord Roller. Forget about this. <laughs> just check Lord the Ricky. Emperor Von Meterstick. I guess the only thing that I didn't really understand is why I should care that it was Rayshek and not the Lager. Like, I mean... The important point was that he was both an Alamancer and a Farukamist, which I had already assumed. I thought it was pretty obvious. I didn't think that was a secret. So as far as I'm concerned, it was some random dude from the past that I didn't ever hear of or care about versus some other random dude from the past that I didn't ever hear of or care about. So you're making an excellent point. Um, however, Rafo. Wait, really? Yeah, he's directly talking about things that happen in later books. No, it happened before this book. (laughs) But the reasons you should care about these things are Rafo. Okay. That I made an excellent point. All right. Well, I'll I'll defer to Mike on that one. I I feel like you could know, but but I I could be confusing something that I found that I find out in the later book, and I just don't remember. Like I don't remember when I found out. I mean, like. Maybe Vin is descended from Lager. I don't know. But even so, like, or maybe she's actually, well, no, should we know who both of her parents are? Uh, so, I don't know. But it's just like, oh, it, she had to figure out that it was Rayshek to realize he was a Farukimist. She couldn't figure that out based on the old dude sitting in the lounge. Okay. But whatever. Well, also keep in mind that there's a ton of mythology built up around the Lord Ruler, and that he's believed to basically be be God. So any sort of weirdness that he does can be attributed to that, rather than powers that most people don't know about. Hmm. All right, I'm gonna try. Mike, you can stop me if I'm going into spoilery territory. Okay, I'll but stop be- you there. No, go ahead. Do you want me to? Uh, do you want me to meet? To no, 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 no. Myself no. for a second. No, Mike will catch me. Um, the reason why it's important for you right now, whether it's Rayshek or um the other Locker. guy, I don't know if they say we his name. We don't they know do his not name yet. yet. Okay. Uh, or some other dude. It's see. I I think I see what Mike is saying. I'm not sure if you know things yet. He does not know things yet. Those things come up in later books. All right, I actually posted it on the that. Discord. I'm sorry, Dave. You just got to wait and see. So, anyone I else mean, got anything Vin, else Vin on the end? He was able to do that and figure out to look at his bracers. That's. I think I can say that. I think that's fair. Oh, I do want to bring up one more thing. Um, when Vin is in the the secret magic room and she burns the 11th medal... Um, she actually sees two uh, fake gold ghost things. One is for the Lord Ruler, which that's well established. The other one is for the Inquisitor who was grabbing her. 
Um, that was not apparent to me the first uh, mm. every time I've read this book before until it was pointed out to me later by, I think, the Coppermind. Um, I assumed that both of the the fake gold people things were for the Lord Ruler. Yeah, I did the same thing, because I thought, like, these are two different possibilities or something. Um, because when Vin burns gold and she she sees her gold shadows, she sees two of them. Mm-hmm. Right. But, no, That's there's... That's a good point. She, she only sees the Lord Ruler. I don't think she even sees a Marsh duplicate in the uh, finale, does she? Not that it's mentioned. She probably does, but we just don't ever, like, get that. Because she's, she's like, laser-focused on, all right, this is clearly the way that this works. I'll just also, stab it. Also, the 11th medal is interesting, but didn't really do any. That is valid. Um, oh, one thing I did want to talk about was... Um, the various things that, like, every single character involved here had to do at the exact right time in order to make all of this work. Um, what do you mean, like, Sazed showing up, and then Ellen's showing up, and... Sazed uh, showing up, Ellen showing up, Breeze, Marsh... Like, Marsh, uh, um... the army's emotions. Basically undoing all of the Inquisitors and Luthadel. Uh, the rest of the crew leading the Ska Rebellion. Um... Renew everything with Renew. Um, yeah, so like all of this had to work all at the same time. Finding out about the soothing stations was like key because if those had still been up, that they would have been able to like suck the will to fight out of the Ska Rebellion yeah. pretty there much right away. Rebellion. So yeah, all of this sort of needed to to confluence itself. Um, Tiru has in the past expressed to me that he didn't like how Deus Ex Machina-y bits of this book were and brought up that part of it. Uh, Specifically Marsh showing back up and murdering all the Inquisitors. Yeah, I thought that at first, and it seems after rereading the part where they find the corpse in the soothing station, it seemed less uh, of a Deus Ex Machina than uh, Brandon Sanderson be like, Oh my god, you thought Marsh was dead. (laughs) <laughs> There's an element to that. Um, but this is largely just Marsh working on his own. Like, he now found himself as an Inquisitor. He's and an Inquisitor now. He's, like, super powerful. Like, right. I believe it. I don't well, think it's okay. that machine His whole life has been built around the Ska Rebellion. Kelsier yeah. was off stealing things while he was leading the Ska Rebellion. He was the leader of the Ska Rebellion before Yeadon. Yeah. So... When he found as, himself as an Inquisitor and had an opportunity to kill every Inquisitor in Luthadel, he just did that. He was expecting the Lord Ruler to kill him immediately after. It just happened that the Lord Ruler had other things to deal with and couldn't get to it right away. Mm-hmm. So, hooray for Marsh. Yeah. But yeah, like, Marsh's, Marsh's actions here, totally super-duper consistent with what we know of his character. As he said, uh, he only... There are two things that he'll never forgive Kelsier for. One is stealing his dream of leading the revolution and succeeding, and the second was having to die to do it. So apparently he did forgive him for stealing Mare. Well, that sort of takes a lot of agency away from Mare. The the idea that Kelsier stole her, she's uh, she's an entire person who can make decisions maybe he's for herself. More mad, maybe he would have been more uh, upset with Mare about it than Kelsier. Yeah. 
I mean, there's there's definitely an element of that to his bad relationship with Kelsier, but I don't know. I feel like he's he's smart and aware enough of a character to to not do to not have that be a factor consciously at least. Mm-hmm. So, all right, that was Mistborn, and next week we're going to do a nice. full book overview. Uh, Tori should be back with us then. I really hope. If she's not, I'm going to be upset because I feel like she's going to bring a bunch of stuff to the table. Um, I think I'm going to just call it here because we've been going for like an hour. Yeah, yeah a bit I over mean, an hour. We're, we're going to discuss any spoilery things can come next week as well. So, Indeed. Uh, so, Dave, get your whole book questions, complaints, gripes, whatever you got and, and ready. future predictions for where the trilogy is going to go. Yes, that's very important. I need to know what you think is going to happen because we have two entire books left of the Mistborn trilogy. And the big evil is dead. I do want to say this, though, that everything is so succinctly wrapped up that ha- was happening in this book that in order for their, like, that the most likely conflict coming up would be uh, something to do with the deepness, which means the thing I said back in, like, chapter three is probably right. Remind us uh, of what they, that was, please. Uh, that they will succeed in uh, taking out the Lord Ruler, but then it's going to turn out that. He was actually holding the world together somehow, which the Lord Ruler himself uh, truly believed that he was. Whether or not he was, Rafo. But the next book is called Well of Ascension, so I think it's going to probably involve someone having to go to the Well of Ascension. Or maybe it'll be a prequel book. Who knows? Or maybe the title is a complete misnomer, and it's actually the Wall of Ascension. Someone has to climb a wall. It's really impressive. Or maybe it's like it's this a, huge wall. Maybe it's not a Well of Ascension, but it's like, well... Ascension. <laughs> Maybe. Exactly. You never know. All right. I think that's it for us today. Um, thanks for Goodbye, listening, everybody. Internet. Have a good one. Good night. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.